0: Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser." In that way, the Christian life is a supernatural life. It flows from an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the source of life. Jesus used the perfect object lesson to illustrate this truth by showing how a branch is intimately connected to a vine. The abundant life is possible only as we stay intimately connected to Jesus, who is the true vine. A vine exists for the sole purpose of producing grapes. That's why Jesus went on to say, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now.
1: Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. I'm always glad to have you with us. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What should it look like in your everyday life? Ron explores these and other questions today as he continues his series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Stay with us now or listen anytime on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Stick around after today's message when Ron joins me to talk about an important new resource he wants to share with you. But first, let's join him as he takes us to John chapter 15 for his message, The True Vine. In the upper room
0: on the night before he was crucified, he says, I am the true vine. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Well, before the Joneses moved to Virginia many, many years ago, we lived in uh, the Lone Star State, the great state of Texas, and uh, lived for many years in uh, my wife's hometown of Dallas, Fort Worth, and we lived near a city in the... Dallas-Fort Worth area called Grapevine, Texas. You ever heard of Grapevine, Texas? Probably not. Well, maybe a few people have. Uh, If we had stayed there, our kids would have gone to Grapevine High School. Uh, This may be as much of a surprise to you as it was to me, but Texas is the fifth largest wine-producing state in the country, largely because uh, in a place like Grapevine, uh, there are many, many uh, wild Mustang grapes from which it got its name. Back in the early 1800s, the settlers came there and saw all the grapes and the vineyards dotting the landscape there, and they decided to call it Grapevine, and it's a, it's a wonderful place. Uh, it's the fifth largest behind uh, California, Washington, New York. That was a surprise to me, and, and, and Oregon. Uh, the pride and joy of Grapevine, Texas is Grapefest. It's the largest wine festival in the southeast or southwest. And again, you're probably saying, who cares? I don't live anywhere near there. Uh, Grapevine is not Napa Valley. Some of you have visited Napa Valley. It's a beautiful place in Northern California. But but it does produce some of these large uh, Texas-sized grapes. And Grapevine, though it's a half a world away from Jerusalem, Grapevine would be a perfect place for Jesus to communicate to his disciples what he said to them on the night before he was crucified here in the upper room. And here we find the the fifth, or rather the seventh, of seven I am statements. It's the one where Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, we've come a long way in our study of the I am statements of Jesus, and you may have noticed that four of them, uh, Jesus spoke to a large crowd uh, when he said, I am the bread of life, and I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd. Large, large crowds of people heard that. Uh, there was one that he spoke to somebody privately, to a lady named Martha. He said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and some of the family members there who were gathered for Lazarus' uh, funeral uh, also heard him say that. But there were two of the I am statements that Jesus spoke in the upper room during the final week of his life, just hours before the crucifixion. The one that we looked at last time was the one where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And then in in the context of John's gospel, just one chapter later in chapter 15, Jesus says these words, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And he uses this this powerful imagery, this imagery of a a branch that is intimately connected to the vine uh, to communicate something to his disciples and to us that is vitally important to understand in the Christian life, and that is that the Christian life is a supernatural life. And if you want to live the Christian life successfully, fruitfully, we might say, then you have to learn what it means to be intimately connected to Jesus every moment of every day, just like the branch is connected to the vine. If the branch disconnects from the vine, it has no life in itself. Any life that the branch has, any fruit that it might produce is all about the vine because it draws its nutrients and its life from the vine itself. And this is why Jesus says, I am the true vine. I think it's noteworthy uh, to, to point out that Jesus says, I am the true vine. The suggestion is that uh, there are some false vines out there, some, some false vines to which you can connect yourself. He's not one of many vines to which he, we can connect. No, he is the true vine. And the narrowness of his statement here reminds us of the narrowness of the sixth I am statement where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Now, the imagery that he uses here of the vine and the branch, he didn't find this imagery just out of thin air somewhere. In fact, uh, the idea of God's people being the Lord's vineyard was well established in the Old Testament. Uh, The the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God, were called the vineyard of the Lord. In fact, the uh, prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 7, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and all throughout the Old Testament, Uh, The people of God, the the chosen people of God, the Hebrew people were known as the vineyard of the Lord. Now, there's only one purpose for a vineyard, and that's to produce vines and to produce grapes. Uh, There's no other purpose for for, for a branch or for a vine other than to produce fruit, to produce grapes. But unfortunately, using the analogy there, uh, Israel did not always produce fruit for Uh, the vine dresser, who was the Lord Himself. In fact, earlier in Isaiah's prophecy there, chapter 5 and verse 4, the Lord says, What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Unruly grapes is the idea. Jeremiah, the prophet, in chapter 2 and verse 21 uh, says, Yet I planted you a choice vine, the Lord says, "Holy of pure seed, How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Again, there's only one purpose for a vine, and that's to produce grapes. There was only one purpose for Israel to be the chosen people of God, and that was to produce spiritual fruit for the owner of the vineyard. But the, the history of Israel in the Old Testament is that they were a corrupt, degenerate, unruly, wild vine that never produced what God wanted them to produce. And so when Jesus comes along and he declares himself as the true vine, in the context of his Jewish audience, what he was saying was, what, what you as the people of God were never able to produce, I alone produce. I am the true vine. You are the branches. And he, he, he declares that in a, in, a, in a very direct and powerful way there. Now, um, There's a principle in this I Am statement that's important for us to understand, and it really sets the tone for the rest of the message here this morning, and the principle is this. You might want to write this down. You and I were created for abundance. You and I were redeemed. We were created. We were redeemed. We were saved. Jesus went to the cross and all that to produce in us the kind of spiritual fruit that the owner of the vineyard expects. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, I have come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. And we talked a little bit about this in our last time together, the difference between eternal life. Yes, Jesus came to purchase our redemption on the cross and to give us the free gift of eternal life. But he also came that we might have abundant life, a fruitful life, we might say. Uh, So you and I were created. You and I were redeemed. You and I were saved. Jesus went to the cross uh, so that we would would produce an abundant life. And uh, Jesus talks about how this happens in John chapter 15 in this discourse here. Uh, I like to call them the secrets of of the fruitful life. Not secrets in that God's trying to hide something from us. Not secrets in the sense that you have to be part of a secret society to understand what Jesus is saying here. But secrets in the sense that these are are vitally important principles to understand if you want to live the the Christian life successfully. I had a professor in seminary who used to say uh, the Christian life is not just difficult to live, it's impossible to live. Impossible to live apart from the enabling resources of the Holy Spirit, apart from the enabling resources of Jesus, who is the true vine. And this is why Jesus says something uh, rather startling. He, He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, he says. You can do nothing.
1: Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good Radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Listen to Ron's messages on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out Something Good Courses, where you'll find starting point, a disciple's first steps a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. That starting point, a disciple's first steps where you'll discover what being a disciple of Christ is all about and learn how to help others grow in their faith. When Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, he was not only telling us who he was, he was telling us who and what we could be if we abide in him. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The True Vine. Now, uh,
0: you probably already get this, I've I've alluded to it, but just so there's no mistaking the imagery and the analogy, let's just lay it out. Jesus is, is the vine, he's the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Disciples or followers of Jesus are the branches, and like a branch that remains intimately connected to the vine and, and draws its life sustenance from the vine, uh, so, so branches are to re- abide in the vine. And then there's this other principle where, where there is life, there's fruit. Again, uh, the, the only purpose for a vine or for a branch is to produce fruit. Now, this raises a question that a lot of Bible scholars have wrestled with, and that is what's the fruit in the analogy here? What, what kind of fruit is God looking for in your life and in my life? Well, some say it's the, the fruit of soul winning. And, and that's certainly uh, within the realm of possibility. Uh, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we're, we're, we're to go and make disciples as a church that in turn make disciples. You understand the multiplying effect in that? Uh, our mission as a church according to Jesus, is to go and make disciples, who in turn go and make disciples. And, and there's a multiplying effect to all that, and there's a soul-winning aspect to that. Uh, Proverbs tells us that he who wins souls is wise. Uh, certainly the fruit of soul-winning could be in view here when Jesus says, I, I, I created you to produce fruit. But that might be a little bit too narrow in our understanding of, of the analogy here. It could also be the fruit of good works. Uh, the Apostle Paul in his letter to Titus talks about how it's important for those who are believers in Jesus Christ to produce the fruit of good works. But even as we say that, it's important for us to remember that we're not saved by good works. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that, for by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Because verse 10 goes on to say, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So yes, we can say that part of the fruit that God wants to produce in us as followers of Jesus Christ is the the fruit of ever-increasing and abundant good works that glorify God and that point others to Jesus Christ. But there's another kind of fruit that might be in view here, and this takes us to Galatians chapter 5. This is what we call the the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul identifies nine Christ-like characteristics. This is is internal fruit, we might say. This is fruit that's produced from within in a supernatural kind of way as we remain connected and intimately abiding in Christ. This is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And, and I think in one sense, uh, the, the, the fruit that Jesus has in mind here encompasses all of that. It's, it's the fruit of soul winning. It's the, the fruit of good works that glorify God. It's, it's the fruit of internal character that looks a lot like Jesus relative to those nine Christ-like characteristics mentioned as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what's interesting in, in Jesus' dialogue here with the disciples back in John chapter 15, he talks about f- four different kinds of branches and the productivity that comes out of those branches. Anybody who owns a vineyard, it would be great if every vine and every branch produced the same amount of fruit, but that's not reality in the natural world. And unfortunately, it's not the reality in the spiritual world either. Uh, Jesus talks about some who produce no fruit, others who produce some fruit, then more fruit, and then much fruit. Picture four baskets of fruit, one that's empty, one that has a couple of shriveled grapes in it, another that has a little bit more fruit, and one that is an abundant harvest that's just overflowing the edges of the basket. Jesus' highest aspiration for you and for me is that we produce much fruit. Yes, the fruit of soul winning, the fruit of godly character, the fruit of good works that glorify God, but it's possible, it's possible to be a Christian it's possible to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's possible to uh, be secure in your eternal home in heaven and have an empty basket of fruit. Why? Because you don't understand the secrets of, of fruit bearing that we're going to talk about in just a moment. And these are simple, and they're rather progressive, but they're also oh so profound. And for some of you who may live the Christian life in a way, and you say, this is the most frustrating thing in the world for me. I just can't seem to live the Christian life successfully. I try and I try and and it just doesn't work very well. well. You may find some answers in this passage of Scripture. Because remember, Jesus is just hours from the cross and he's huddled up with his disciples on the night before he's crucified. And in this section of the Upper Room Discourse, he's saying, guys, I want to tell you how this thing works. Okay, I'm the vine, you are the branches, apart from me, You can do nothing. So abide in me and let my words abide in you. Remain intimately connected to me, just like a branch is intimately connected to the vine. So let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, Let's talk about some of these secrets. And I encourage you to take some notes this morning so you can ponder these and pray over these and apply these into your life every day. The first secret is this, the secret to abundance. And remember, we were created for abundance. There's that expectation. The highest aspiration Jesus has for us is a fruit basket that's overflowing with an abundant harvest. But the secret to abundance is abiding. That's what Jesus says. Look at it in verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then a little bit later, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, those are hard words for a guy like me to swallow because I'm kind of a type A guy. Uh, I, I, I can list my uh, accomplishments and my experience and my education and get a little puffed up just like you can. I, I, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps just like we like to do as Americans and say, I can do it. I've got that can-do spirit, right? I'm an American, not an American. And you're telling me, Jesus, that as the branch I cannot bear fruit by myself? Wait a minute. I, I was told all my life I can do this or I can do that. Now, if you want to live the Christian life successfully, you can't
1: do it independent of the vine. The prodigal son was always a son, but he broke fellowship with his father, and it led to some painful consequences. Take stock of your walk with Jesus today to make sure your fellowship with God is where it needs to be. Need prayer today? Stop by SomethingGoodRadio.org anytime to share your request with us. Just click on Explore, then look for the How Can We Pray For You option. Hello, friend. I'm Ron
0: Jones of Something Good Radio. All Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it. God gave us a lot of Scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word, and see how it all fits together so brilliantly. How every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes, Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send
1: them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The ultimate road trip through the Bible, volume one and two can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy the ultimate road trip through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of
0: wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible-teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible, I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to the ultimate road trip through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you
1: dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your coffee today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456.
0: You were created for abundance. The secret to abundance is abiding, remaining intimately connected with Jesus and in fellowship with Him so that He produces the fruit through you. But the secret to that abiding is obeying. Look at it in John 15 and verse 10. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. No, keeping the commandments of God will not birth you into the family of God. That's not how you're saved. That's not how you become part of the family of God. But once you're part of the family of God, yes, keeping his commandments and obeying him and walking in obedience to him is is vitally important.
1: That's tomorrow in part two of Ron's message, The True Vine. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.